you are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A great Tuesday show for you. Unless you're a New York Jet fan, holy crap, what an awful start to the season. Aaron Rodgers goes down, probably lost for the season. And you know what? I can actually help. I'll tell you how in a little bit. We are going to talk about college football this past weekend. We're going to go over what's coming up in college football this weekend. Not so great a slate of games. Week four is awesome. We'll look at that. We're going to talk a little bit more about the NFL. What happened gambling-wise this past weekend? Did you know that 12 of the 16 road teams covered the spread this past week? Not bad. Josh Allen, do the Bills have a problem on their hands? We'll get to all that momentarily. But let's start with Aaron Rodgers. Last night, the New York Jets host Monday Night Football. We had five episodes of Hard Knocks. That was basically the Aaron Rodgers show. And him coming to New York, seemingly a changed man, because all the reports out of Green Bay was that he was just a miserable person to be around. You know, some teammates will say, great guy ever, greatest guy ever. And some teammates who were no longer on the team say, yeah, he was difficult to work with. Everything we saw on Hard Knocks, basically, I don't know if it was an image repair on his end. He knew the cameras were around and he wanted to show people for the first time kind of a goofy side to him because we don't really see that side to him. We see a very serious side, a very inquisitive side of him, not a guy that has much personality, very monotonous in his tone. But regardless of what you think of the guy, he's one of the five greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. Statistics-wise and the amount of comebacks that he's had, Yes, he only has one Super Bowl, but if you look at those playoff appearances, it had a lot more to do with Green Bay's awful defense, uh, awful defenses in the past, and it certainly wasn't his fault. Uh, a lot of the playoff losses weren't on him. He had some great playoff games that they just ended up losing because their defense couldn't stop anybody. So whatever you think of him, it was actually really cool to see him run out there on 9-11 with the American flag in his hand and literally four plays into his Jets career. He goes down during a sack and he stays down. Helped off the field, limped off, taken away in a cart. Now, I'm recording this late Monday night. The rumor is they're doing an MRI today, Tuesday, which is going to confirm he tore his Achilles. As you all know, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, I tore my Achilles last August. It is a 9- to 12-month recovery. He is out for the season, assuming the MRI shows what they all expect. The head coach, Robert Sala, says basically we kind of it's an Achilles injury and it's not good. And we basically expect the MRI to confirm what we all suspect right now. So just an absolute kick in the nuts to the New York Jets. Now, I'm not saying this to be flippant. I'm not saying this to start any sort of political debate or anything along those lines. But we kind of all know where Aaron Rodgers stands on the world of medicine. He's made that perfectly clear. So I'm honestly just curious. This guy tore his Achilles. He needs to go under the knife. He needs to have a doctor take care of him for this surgery. 
because he doesn't believe in medicine, um, what does he do in a situation like this? Let some guy in a back alley do his Achilles surgery? I, I've just always been curious. The people that don't believe in medicine, but what about when something really bad happens to them and you have to have a surgery? Do you then start believing in medicine? I, I don't know. Anyway, now, I have a way I can help Aaron Rodgers during his rehab. Will he listen to me? No. Will he listen to this podcast? No. If I DM him, will he read it? No. All I'm saying is, Aaron, I've been where you're going to be. I dealt with it for 12 months. I'm pretty much fully recovered now. But you have a long road ahead of you. The first thing I would suggest you do is buy yourself an industrial strength scooter like I did. One that's got shocks and all-terrain wheels. And you know what? Since I'm such a good guy and you don't need to fork out $400 for it, I will let you borrow my scooter. It's in great shape. It's sitting in my garage right now. I'll let you borrow it for free. How about that? Hit me up, man. Hit me up. With all that said, just sucks. I mean, the Jets fans have been tortured for so long. Their team's been horse shit for the last decade or so. They finally get a quarterback to bring some prominence to this franchise. They have, if you watched the game last night, one of the best defenses in the league. Top three, I would say. Their defense is going to keep them in games. But now they're back to where they were last year. Zach Wilson. The same Zach Wilson that led them to six straight losses to end their season last year and make them miss the playoffs. They were 7-4 and four at one point and a playoff team. Then they lost six in a row to end the season, finishing 7-10, and 10, not making the playoffs, and that's why they went out and got Aaron Rodgers. So now you're going to tell me that Zach Wilson's going to be this much better this season? Oh, Jets fans, I feel you. I feel bad for you. I really do. But those are the breaks, I guess. Just a brutal, brutal injury. And they end up winning the game. I mean, this is a team that fell behind 13-3 to at half, <laughs> knowing that Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming back. It was like they took all the energy out of that stadium because MetLife was fired up from the second that game started. And then the four plays into his career, they knew, oh, crap. Same old Jet story. And they just had nothing after that. First half, they were like zombies out there. Down 13-3 at half. Then they got a spark in the second half. Best part was 16-16 overtime. They stopped the Bills on their first drive. The Bills punt it. And Xavier Gibson, the guy who made the team as an undrafted rookie out of Stephen F. Austin, returns the punt for a touchdown. If you watch Hard Knocks, him and the other receiver out of Louisville were the two guys that got called into the coach's office and were told they made the team when everybody thought they were getting called in the office and got cut. They had like a little bromance going in the episodes. To see that kid be the one to return it and win the first game of the season for the Jets, even though Aaron Rodgers is out for the year, most likely. I mean, you got to be happy for him. 
give them at least one week to be happy because next week Zach Wilson has to face the Dallas Cowboys defense and they are going to kill him. They are going to torture him. It's not going to be pretty. But the Jets have a great defense as well, so I'm really curious to see how they match up against the Cowboys offense. But just a uh, just a just a tough tough start for Jets fans. At least you won the game last night. That's cool. Congrats. But certainly uh, not what you wanted because Aaron Rodgers. You know, I'm 10 years older than him, roughly, and I was not able to run or do any sort of planting and pushing off until about month 12, and that's a year. So I don't know if he's going to be ready. Now, granted, he had he's going to have the physical therapy of professionals all year round, and so he should be ready to go. Let's see, it's September. So nine months from now, he'd be in June. Yeah, I, I think he'll be ready to go probably by training camp next year, but we'll have to see. I just I feel bad for the Jets and the organization because it looked it was a really cool scene last night. And for him to last four plays, that just sucks. I whether you hate the Jets fans or not, uh, or whether you're indifferent, you have to admit, that kind of just sucks to to be all fired up for a player like that to come to your team and give yourselves a good quarterback for the first time and God knows how long and he lasts four plays. I mean, come on. Have a heart and just feel sorry for the franchise. So here's something interesting in regards to college football this upcoming week. The week three schedule absolutely sucks. There really isn't a lot of good games at all this weekend. I don't know if you've even bothered to look ahead. However, week four is unreal with some of the matchups that we're getting. We're getting seven quality matchups. We've got zero this week. We've got seven quality matchups next week. Six of them are top 25 matchups, and the other one should be a top 25 matchup. But here's what I want to talk about in regards to this week. With Fox Big Noon Saturday as their morning game show, uh, game show, their morning college football pregame show, and then you've got college game day on ESPN. What's weird is both are choosing to be in Colorado this week. Colorado's playing at home against Colorado State Saturday night. ESPN is televising that game. Big noon kickoff on Fox was in Colorado last week for the debut of Dion at home against Nebraska. They're going back again this week, and ESPN will be there. Fox isn't even broadcasting the game, and they're doing their pregame show for the second week in a row in Colorado. It is kind of a weird choice. And here's why. I think a lot of people expect Colorado to beat Colorado State. They just beat TCU in Nebraska. I'm guessing they can beat Colorado State who lost by four touchdowns at home to Washington State. So my guess is Colorado wins and goes to three and zero. Well, assuming Oregon wins this week, which I don't think they have a tough opponent, you're going to have in week four, you're going to have 18th-ranked Colorado at 13th-ranked Oregon. So why wouldn't game day go to Oregon in week four? I know there's other games that they can go to for sure, but you assume Colorado's losing the game to Oregon. 
Because then the following week, they're hosting SC. I don't know. It just seems weird to go to a game, go to Colorado. Look, I understand that Deion Sanders is the biggest story in college football this year. And people and these and these networks are just riding that train as long as they can, because they know at some point Colorado is going to lose a few games. As great as they've been this year, they're they're not at the level of an SC or an Oregon just yet, or even a Washington. But are they middle of the pack? Pack twelve, absolutely, and that's light years better than they were last year when they were the worst team in division in FBS at one eleven. So I understand that they want the attention of Colorado and they want to do the coverage of Colorado. I'm just surprised they did it in week three. And I'm guessing it's because they're looking ahead to week four and seeing they have so, game day has so many different places they can go to. But why wouldn't you go to Oregon for Colorado, Oregon, two, three and O teams early in the season before Colorado basically gets their first loss. But anyway, week three, just an awful schedule. I don't know how many of these games I even like. Uh, to bet. I haven't really broken it down just yet, but my gosh, just a crappy game of uh, schedule of games. However, look what we got ahead coming up in week four. Next Saturday, number six, Ohio State at number nine, Notre Dame. Number three, Florida State at Clemson, who's unranked, but it is Clemson. Number 18, Colorado at Oregon, as I mentioned. Number 10, Alabama at number 17, Ole Miss. Nick Saban against his other assistant, Lane Kiffin. Number 25, Iowa, at number 7, Penn State. Number 24, UCLA, at number 12, Utah. Number 23, Washington State, at number 16, Oregon State. I mean, those are seven great games. And if my my guess is game day is going to go to Ohio is going to go to South Bend and going to do Ohio State Notre Dame. That's my guess. I would have told you Clemson at the beginning of the season. But Clemson shit down their leg against Duke. So that's probably why that game is not going to be it. But you never know. I mean, you can go to any of these games. They could go to they could go to the Grove and do Ole Miss Bama. They could do Iowa Penn State. Probably not, but <laughs> they're just not going to do UCLA, Utah, or, or you know, go to Oregon State for Wazoo, Oregon State. Although it is funny, Wazoo, Oregon State is the only two teams left in the Pac twelve. They're playing each other in week four, and they're both ranked in the top 25. Would be kind of interesting, but no, they're going to take – they're probably – game day is probably going to Notre Dame. They're going to go to South Bend and and go there. I just I, I just don't know why you wouldn't go for Colorado, Oregon, in Oregon. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But then again, I'm not a television programmer of college game day, so I don't know. Now, gambling-wise, remember last week when I told you there were nine road favorites between four and seven points? And I was like, this has upsets written all over it. Well, it didn't end up being as bad as I thought it would be. The best part of it, (laughs) the best part of it, though, was... Okay, so of the nine games, the favorite covered one, two... Three, four, five. They went five, three, and one, the favorites. Now, Oregon got a late backdoor touchdown on a pick six in the last minute of the game to get the cover against Texas Tech. So, you know, they covered. I'll give them that. But Oregon was losing that whole game. And the fact that they covered seven points was pretty amazing. But 
We'll give it to them because they did cover the game. But five of the road favorites covered, and there was one push. Utah beat Baylor 20-13, to and they were laying seven. So the favorites that covered, Notre Dame blew out NC State, laying seven and a half. Oklahoma State won easily at ASU, laying three and a half. Iowa beat Iowa State by seven. They were laying four. Ole Miss beat Tulane by 13. They were laying seven and a half. And as I said, Oregon beat Texas Tech by eight. They were laying seven. The best part about that, though, was my three underdogs that I gave you on Saturday that I said bet them plus the points and to win outright were the three in that group of nine that happened to cover. So that's what I mean. Sometimes it's all about just choosing the right games. Like, I guarantee I'm going to have a week where I like some games, and but I like too many, and I was like, oh, God, I like these ten games. I'll only choose five, and those five will go 0-5 or 1-4, and and then my other five will go 4-1 and or 5-0. and But the ones that I gave out as my plays to record every Saturday – We'll be on the. I'll just. I'll have made the wrong choices of which ones to put on the podcast. But it is interesting that that the three underdogs that covered Washington State winning outright at home against Wisconsin, Miami winning outright at home against A and M, and Cal only losing by four, getting anywhere between four and a half and six, whenever you bet it. Um, those were my three underdog plays, and I told you out of those nine. So. Yeah, uh, there weren't many upsets. They were all close outside of the NC State game and ASU. Losing at home to Oklahoma State, every one of the uh, home underdogs was close. Iowa State lost by seven, you know, getting four at home. Tulane was in that game all game against Ole Miss, and that was without their best quarterback, Michael Pratt. Texas Tech was beating Oregon that whole game. They were only down one with a minute left driving, and they threw a pick six. And then obviously Cal should have beaten Auburn. They missed three field goals, so – um, gotten off to a great start in college football. Really, really happy with it so far. So uh, I told you I'd go over those road favorites, uh, and uh, we just covered them there. As for the NFL, here is something you need to keep in mind. First off, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, 12 of the 16 road teams covered the spread. So you might have a little more regression to the to the mean on this one this week where home teams play a lot better. Here is something, and the other thing is, and this is something that I think a lot of people have to understand when it comes to NFL, and I know you like betting games, and if you are interested in betting games and looking at lines and stuff like that, something to remember when it comes to the NFL, I can't remember the exact percentage, but I know it is over 60%. Even though you see lines and be like, wow, that's a lot of points or whatever, in the NFL, if you pick the winner of the game, you're probably also going to pick the against the spread winner. Just this week, eight, nine, uh, nine underdogs covered in the NFL this week, okay? We can go over them. Detroit covered against Kansas, excuse me, covered against Kansas City. Cleveland covered against Cincinnati. Tampa Bay covered against Minnesota. Just talking about underdogs here. Arizona covered against Washington. Tennessee covered against New Orleans. Green Bay covered against Chicago. Rams covered against Seattle. Vegas covered against Denver. Miami covered against the Chargers. Jets covered against Buffalo. So that's one, two, three, four, five, 
six seven eight nine ten. Ten underdogs covered in the NFL, and eight of them won outright. <laughs> the only two underdogs to cover and not win the game were Arizona, losing by four to Washington, getting seven, and the Titans, losing by one in New Orleans, getting three, or three and a half. It's something I'm going to track all season long now. Because I'm telling you, at the end of the season, you're going to see most dogs that cover in the NFL win the game outright. That's why I say, not all of them, obviously, but when looking at NFL lines, just pick who you think's going to win the game that week, and that's probably going to be your against the spread winner. Because this wasn't, while 80% is not going to be the norm throughout the whole season, 8 out of 10 dogs went outright this past Sunday and Monday. It is close to 60%. I think that's the number, which is kind of a big deal because you can make good money betting money lines in the NFL because these are all professional teams. You don't have 45 to 3 games in the NFL. You don't have 81 to 7 games in the NFL. They're all professionals. Anybody can beat anybody on any given Sunday. Always keep that in mind. But 8 out of 10 winning in week one, I'm telling you, it's pretty consistent. Even if only like five dogs cover next week, usually three or four of them will win outright. So it doesn't mean that 10 dogs are going to cover every week, but just keep that in mind. The other thing to keep in mind for NFL play is this, especially after week one, there's a lot of overreaction after week one. The biggest ones happening right now are how bad Pittsburgh looked and how bad the Giants looked. All I know is this. I've been doing this long enough, been covering it long enough. You will see in week two, there will be somebody who looked awful in week one who comes back and wins in week two, and there will be somebody who looked great in week one who looks like dog shit in week two. I can already tell you right now, I don't know what – I know it's on next Monday night, but one of my plays, if not my top play, is I'm going back to the well with the Steelers. I think they just had a bad game. They're not a bad football team. They opened up. If you had if you bet if you looked at the lines before the season, they would have been a 1 to 2 point favorite next Monday night at home against the Cleveland Browns. But because Pittsburgh looked so bad in week 1 and the Browns looked so good in week 1, the Browns are now a 1 and a half point favorite in Pittsburgh on Monday night football. Mike Tomlin's record on Monday night football, I'd have to get the stat for you, but it's Really, really good, and him as an underdog is really, really good. And he's just coming off a game where they were an underdog and they got routed. So that's something where I just don't think it's happening twice in a row. It's a division game. They know the Browns. The Browns lost their best offensive lineman for the season. Conklin, Torres, ACL, and MCL out for the season. Pittsburgh's coming off an embarrassing home defeat. The worst loss at home in the Mike Tomlin era. They'd never lost by 23 points at home until last week, until this past Sunday. Steelers are just, I don't want to say it's stealing money because I'll never say there's anything, there's nothing's a lock in the NFL, but I just do not see the Steelers laying an egg two weeks in a row and starting the season 0-2 at home. So they're going to be one of my plays, if not my top play. I'll give you a lean. I'll give you a, a little hint there. And then finally, One last note about last night's game. Bills fans, 
I don't know what to tell you because I know you love your quarterback, and he is your quarterback of the future. However, is he your quarterback of the future that's going to win you a Super Bowl? Because it seems like Josh Allen is getting more and more reckless as the seasons go on. Do you realize in Josh Allen's last 19 games, he has 20 interceptions and has lost 17 fumbles? 37 personal turnovers in his last 19 games. That's basically two a game. He's averaging. That's not going to win you a Super Bowl. And a lot of people are conveniently forgetting the fact that the Buffalo Bills had a home game in Buffalo weather last year in the playoffs against the Bengals, and they got killed. They were never close. Now, I understand the DeMar Hamlin thing was still on their mind. You're dealing with that. It was a very weird ending to the season for Buffalo. However, if you watch the game, did Josh Allen jump out at you as a guy that, yes, this is a guy is going to lead us to a Super Bowl one day? I don't know. The jury now is out on him because for a while there, and I think people are having you know, short-term memory when it comes to that loss in Kansas City where Josh Allen played out of his mind and you guys were 13 seconds away and it just didn't happen for you because you played horrible defense and had a horrible decision on the kickoff and then couldn't stop Kansas City from gaining 40 yards in 13 seconds and they kick a field goal to send it to overtime then they win with a touchdown in overtime. People are remembering that game, and he was great that game. He was absolutely unbelievable, and that game, I think, put him on the national map. However, since then, 19 games, 37 turnovers. If he doesn't knock it off, he was terrible last night. Through two, two of his three interceptions, did not need to be thrown. It was just him trying to make a play and just chucking the ball downfield into double coverage twice. The pass he threw on the out pattern that got picked off, that was more on the receiver, but then he fumbled. He had two interceptions and a fumble just in the second half alone to where Buffalo didn't even score until the end of the game in the second half. They were up 13-3 at half, and then they were trailing 16-13 with three seconds left. Kick a field goal, send it to overtime. Guy runs back the punt. But I'm thinking that Buffalo fans, you need to be a little worried about your quarterback. I know you all love him. He's, you know, upstate New York's golden child right now, and he's your guy. But facts are facts. He has not played well since the beginning of last year. He hasn't, period. And 37 turnovers in 19, day, 19 games tells you that. So just keep an eye out. Doesn't mean he can't turn it around, but as good as Josh Allen is and as tough as he is and some of the runs that he can escape from and make and get first down with his legs, he also forces a lot of throws. You saw two of them last night. And he's prone to fumbling the ball because he gets a little careless of it when he takes off and runs. When he doesn't fumble it and takes off and runs, he runs like a fucking fullback and just trucks people. He's fun to watch. I'll give you that. But fun to watch doesn't win Super Bowls. Consistency and lack of turnovers wins Super Bowls. Let's just see if he can get there. All right, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review. Tell all your friends about it. Let everybody know about the Sports Daily 
your college picks coming up this Friday along with your NFL picks for week two, college week three, even though this game of this schedule of games absolutely sucks this weekend. You're gonna be I'm gonna be giving you some games this week, I guarantee, to bet on that you're gonna be like, huh? Who? Who are these teams? So I'll, I'm just looking for value. I'm just looking to give out winners, and I'll, I'll never charge for this. At least I don't think I will. Um, it's just going to be on my podcast every Friday, just doing it for fun and, you know, hopefully win some people some money. So let me do all the homework and give you guys winners uh, to bet on and, and make some money. So thanks again uh, for everybody who's listening and support this podcast. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.